TED Talks. I'm your host, Wolfman Jack. This is my second attempt to record this episode because my computer did a weird thing. So I'm going to try to do my best to recreate what I said before, even though I have almost no memory of it. Uh, for anybody who was listened to the last episode, the episode where I was sad about losing my website, uh, an episode which people did not enjoy, it turns out. Uh, I have made progress in in saving my content. I will lose the domain, and that's sad, but at least everything I've worked on will still exist, and I'll be able to uh, bring it over to a new website when I work out exactly what it is I want to do on the internet. So that is progress. Um, even without that, I'm still, I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I am, I'm, I'm frazzled for this and other reasons, some of which are not my story to tell. Even the ones that are, I'm not going to tell them. I, I don't need people knowing things about me. I don't want to get doxxed. Uh, so I've been feeling kind of used up. It was, this is a rare Saturday night record. I just could not manage it on Friday when I usually record. Not that it matters because nobody listens to podcasts on the weekend. Unless you are a sociopath like me and you want to listen to the Flophouse and Blank Check right when they come out on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. Uh, so I was just going to have a, have a fun little chat about some things in entertainment I've been enjoying recently. But before I do that... I have been thinking all day about Shaq's Big Challenge, the Shaquille O'Neal reality show about weight loss for kids. And dang it, I want to talk about it. Uh, now, I don't, I'm not a sports guy. I don't know a lot about sports. I, re I rarely watch them. I'm, I'm not one of those guys who's like, uh, you know, one of those people who's all, smug about not liking sports where it's like oh is it the sports ball championship blah, blah, blah. just shut up people enjoy different things dork and you know it's just not my my thing although if my love of battle bots has taught me anything it's that if i did get into sports in any capacity i would be a giant stat dork uh, i also years ago i was in a fantasy i didn't do a full fantasy football league where you have to like know things but my sister did a playoff league, which is a lot simpler and requires a lot less knowledge. And she invited me to take part, largely because at the time I was a huge fan of the TV show The League, which I still am. They're just not making it anymore. I don't mean to make it sound like I had a falling out with The League. And so this was mostly, my sister knows a lot about sports, mostly basketball, but more about football than most people I know. And I, I won the playoff fantasy league with my team, the Heather Pop and Lockleers, which yes, was a community reference. And I have never been invited to participate in anything since then. Uh, but that was very fun because my sister would be frustrated with my methods for making my, my picks from week to week of is you'd switch up your players every week because those the playoffs teams were getting eliminated. Uh, it was very fun. And I also, because most of my knowledge came from the show, The League, I 
I really enjoyed the trash talking of people who are my sister's friends, but I did not know. And that, you know, it was, it was fun. I did one season and I'm a champion. So that's the one feather in my cap. But uh, anyway, despite me not knowing much about sports, uh, I do, I have a fondness, especially for like 90s and 2000s basketball, and also the current Golden State Warriors, who my sister is a fan of, and I hear things, and Steph Curry, she met, I was going to say Steph Curry met her, uh, and my sister is, you know, is an absolute delight, but it's probably more accurate to say she met Steph Curry. But he and his wife Aisha were very nice to her, and that's what that's what's important. Uh, but my point is, so you know, back when my sister was very into basketball, nineties and two thousands. I mean, it still is, but she lives far away now, so I hear less about it on a regular basis. And so I have a I have a great fondness for players of that era. Uh, my favorite 90s basketball player, George Morrison, follows me on Twitter, which makes me feel like the prom queen, quite frankly. Uh, but Shaq, just as a as a human being, I find to be just utterly wonderful. He's he's weird, and his the way he sort of bumps up against the entertainment industry is fascinating. And he's a he's just he's a joyous presence. Uh, he has his own varietal of uh, Frosted Flakes coming out. That is, it's regular Frosted Flakes, but with cinnamon puffs that are described as cinnamon-covered basketballs. Which seems like it's not really truth in advertising, but my sister and I have been texting about that. And that's been getting me to think about Shaq's uh, reality TV shows. Um, and the... Oh, I'm going to forget to say this if I don't say it now. Uh, my friend Lana met Shaq when she lived in Phoenix, and he was playing for the Phoenix Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, I know that, because Charles Barkley played for them, and he's my... He's the other best basketball player. Uh, largely because he's, he's very funny, and he was on that episode of Mr. Cooper, where he appears in a bowl of... Or hanging with Mr. Cooper, where he appears in a bowl of... It. Oatmeal and says, welcome to the NBA chump. And he was also in two comic books in 1995, I think. Uh, one was Sir Charles Barkley and the Referee Murders, where he wears a Dick Tracy coat and hat and solves the murder uh, murders of referees. I think that was published by whoever had the Disney license at the time, which seemed like an odd fit. And... There was all the, the sort of iconic Barkley versus Godzilla from Dark Horse, where uh, Charles Barkley grew to an enormous size and played basketball against Godzilla, who did have uh, his own shoes. That was amazing. Uh, I want to say Art Adams drew it, but there's no way that's possible. He probably, he did the cover, though. He definitely did the cover. Uh that was several tangents in the middle of a story about uh, uh, when my friend, uh, when Lana met Shaq at the gym and he, he did hit on her. And she told him that she really appreciated his work with fat kids because she also is a fan of Shaq's big challenge. But before I get that, I, I just want to at least mention Shaq versus, which was his show from about 10 years ago where 
he competed against the top athletes in their respective sports to see who was better. And obviously, the top athletes in their respective sports are better at those sports than Shaquille O'Neal is. <laughs> like, but they, they, would, they would try to tweak it. Like, you do a home run derby against Albert Pujols, and I still can't believe there's a person whose last name is Pujols. There has to be a different pronunciation, right? Uh, it's actually better if you do it sort of the ignorant way and pronounce it with the J. But, you know, he did a home run derby with him, but he, like, checks. Checks standard for what was a, uh, what was a home run is significantly different. He had to hit it over a, a much closer wall. Uh, by the way, if you, if you happen to hear a gap, my computer is acting very weird. And sometimes the recording freezes. And if I continue to talk while it's frozen, sometimes it works out fine. And sometimes it will just cut out whatever has I say until it unfreezes. So I'm trying to actually stop talking when it freezes, which might lead to a gap of several seconds from time to time, which is nothing unusual because I often forget what words I'm trying to think of. You're used to it is what I'm saying. Uh, but so this this show at where Shaq won zero of his challenges got a second season and they sort of ran out of sports. So he'd do things like compete against Penn and Teller to do a magic trick or, or Jimmy Kimmel to host a talk show. And my favorite was when he, he did competitive eating against Joey Chestnut. And Shaq's advantage in this one was he got to have a team of five people. And he's just picking people off the Las Vegas Strip and really leaning into picking pretty girls. And not giving any thought to who was going to want to eat 12 hot dogs in a sitting. It was great. I loved it. But I didn't love it as much as Shaq's Big Challenge, which is a show that basically does not exist. I can't find it streaming anywhere. I can't buy it on iTunes or on DVD, uh, some Googling. The only sites that claim to have it have really shady looking names that just seem to be virus factories. But it is an I love it so much. It's a, it was a weight loss show for children, which sounds kind of horrifying when you think about it. But uh, this was like he picked out, he the idea was Shaq was going to help like these, these obese kids who were really struggling. And I do want to say, when I say fat kids, I do not mean that as a pejorative. Uh, both Shaq and I are fat kids, let's be honest. But, and these were genuinely sweet kids who you really got to care about. And uh, then by the final episode, like, regardless of what had happened to them physically, they were all happier because... Like, now they had friends and they'd taken part in something. And I cried literally every week. So I, I am not trying to shame these children who were all little, just little sweethearts. Uh, but they were also very funny as people for a lot of reasons. And one of them was that they were hanging out with Shaq, who was giving them insane regimens because he doesn't know anything. I don't think any doctors were consulted at any point. Uh, I, he took them all to the doctor in one episode to like, so the doctor could say, yes, these children are heavy. Like, 
<laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, but when, when the, the doctor told Shaq, yeah, these children were, you know, their their health was suffering, Shaq's, Shaq's response was to ask if he recommended pills or surgery. And the doctor's like, oh my God, neither. They're children. <laughs> it is... It is the sloppiest show ever. It is. There's a bit in the first episode, and I really want to see it again because I I remember this. And I need to prove to people it's real. Where Shaq is just chatting with the camera as he's driving to this school, and he makes the he like announces a stereotype that I've never heard in any other context. And forgive me for saying it, but I am telling you what Shaquille O'Neal said, where he said that black people don't know the words to songs. A point he attempted to prove by singing the theme song to Cheers and just mumbling through it. And it was hilarious. And I have no idea how much of it was a bit and how much of it was Shaq trying to prove an actual point. Like, does he have this conversation all the time? But he, he meets these kids and... You can see after two episodes that no thought went into it because what he did was buy them a gym and then go back home. And <laughs> so these kids were all at the gym. Like they had to go because they signed up on the TV show. They had to be at the gym. But if there's if there's somebody who's not necessarily super self motivated when you put them in a gym, it, it's it's, you know, these, these heavy children who were all just sitting there playing Game Boy in the gym. And somebody had to get back to Shaq and say, hey, this is happening. And he, he seemed visibly irritated that he had to continue to make this TV show. a trainer friend of his to go in there and get the kids motivated and like this guy's whole deal is that he's scary he, he, despite the fact that he is no taller than five foot five foot four maybe and he has a he has a mohawk he's like a tiny Mr. T and he shows up at the gym and stabs a basketball with a butterfly knife to frighten the children into listening to him <laughs> it, it is it is literally the funniest thing I've ever seen on television. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I gotta get my gotta, gotta get gotta get back to normal here. <laughs> Oh, man. It was such a good show. And again, Shaq doesn't know things about fitness necessarily, so he was took the kids to a farm so they could chase chickens. <laughs> <coughs> oh, my gosh. It was the best thing. Man, I really want to watch Shaq's Big Challenge again. It was so good. There was one kid named Walter who was a real tough nut to crack. And Shaq's thing was, if he didn't meet his goals, he would go in when Walter was in math class and kiss him in front of 
gets him in front of the whole class. Uh, it, it really felt like the whole production team was just like, eh, this crazy rich guy is, has stuff he wants to do. We're just going to sit back and let it happen. I guess it, it was genuinely sweet. And like I said, I cried in every episode. They were all, these kids at the end now had, they had friends and they felt better about themselves. And, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I wept profusely, but also it is the dumbest and most wonderful thing ever simultaneously. Oh my God. If somebody, I, I wish this, if, you know, I wish I had, multiple listeners as opposed to, you know, the one. Uh, because I really want somebody to, from the recesses of somewhere to find me the seven episodes of Shaq's Big Challenge. There was an episode where they redesigned the school lunch menu with the hope of a, help of a celebrity chef who was either Jamie Oliver or Curtis Stone, and I can't remember right now. Uh, it was probably Jamie Oliver, but I just want to point out that when Curtis Stone was on Celebrity Apprentice, one time in the boardroom, they had a lengthy discussion of how bad his dumps smell. So that's a thing about Australian celebrity chef Curtis Stone. Also a thing about me remembering something from Celebrity Apprentice Season 3, after the host of that show went on to wreck America. Anyway, so that was not even my main point, was talking about Shaq's big challenge. So, uh... I'll just hit a few things that I've been enjoying because I, I did not have time. I say I did not have time to prepare. Like I, like every other time I've done this show has been something well-researched and uh, insightful. But I usually at least have notes. And even with an extra day, I, I'm, I'm flying blind here. Uh, I, I mentioned BattleBots. That wrapped up this week with its... Uh, the finals and this this season was real weird and i think it's because they started shooting it pre-pandemic and then production stopped and then at some point early in the season it's a now a pandemic show and suddenly there's no audience and some people are wearing masks but not as many as you'd hope would and it seems like maybe just the realities of 2020 meant that some of the some of the the major contenders from from previous seasons were not uh, were not there. I think in some cases because they hailed from other countries and travel has been weird. Although they did have they had a lot of international finalists this year, but you know everybody's circumstances are different. Uh, but it it did mean a lot of familiar faces were not there and that also meant that a lot of sort of filler matches between just kind of cruddy robots that didn't do much but by the time they got to the tournament of champions it was it was it was super fun uh all of the top seeds got eliminated reasonably early i did not like the number one seed it's one of those uh those uh smug like smug redneck nerd which is a whole bunch of things i just find unpleasant and I was glad to see they didn't win. And it was it was like a bunch of weirdos who ultimately, you know, made the final four. Just like ones nobody would have picked. 
to to be that that those last seeds and it was super fun it is a show i enjoy it is it is dumb but it is also it is also super entertaining uh it's so so uh secure in what it is like yeah everybody who's involved with it freaking loves the robots with buzz saws fighting in the middle of an arena Again, I say robots. They're really remote-controlled cars. Robots makes it sound like they have AI. <laughs> Which, you know, that would obviously be more of a real steel scenario. Which is a movie that is much better than you think it is, by the way. It is about... It's basically Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the movie starring Hugh Jackman. And they didn't have to put work into it, but it's actually kind of good. So I guess that's my recommendation is rock, uh, rock and socket robots, real steel. Battlebots was super fun. That's there had there's not a lot of uh, TV that's TV is kind of a mess right now. Let's be honest. And I have gone for gone to all streaming, mostly to save money. And what that means is my my TV consumption is very different now because. Essentially, I have to actively go and pick the thing to watch, and so I am not exposed to things that I don't like, which means that maybe for the first time in 20 years, I am not intimately familiar with all the network lineups. Uh, I just found out Thomas Middleditch is on a CBS series. Uh, who, who even, by a Chuck Lorre CBS series. Chuck Lorre, writer of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. I don't know how that escaped my notice. Uh, it's probably one more reason I shouldn't have a TV website right now. But, you know, it just means that I'm more actively selecting and not just turning it on and going, oh, well, okay, I guess I'm going to see some episodes of, you know, Two Broke Girls at 2 in the morning. So I, I am feeling out, kind of out of the loop. Uh, obviously, uh, why, I... Since the last episode, I, I watched the WandaVision finale, and I thought it was great. Uh, again, I might have a, a guest to discuss it later, and I don't want to spoil anything for people who don't watch, you know, Marvel stuff the second it comes out, because I'm not a monster. Uh, but I thought it was it was really fun and weird, and it was a, a you know, it's just nice that this big... This big hit machine like the the Marvel franchise can can do something just kind of kind of kind of weird, and I mean obviously it's still designed as a huge hit. It is there's there's you know, but it, I mean it is partly a, a a tribute to classic television and also a a, a sort of exploration of trauma in a heightened world and there's a lot of really interesting things in there but also it is a a superhero show where a lot of the finale was two robots fighting each other with with the forehead lasers and i don't mean that in a bad way that is exactly what i enjoy in my entertainment but it was just cool that something could be kind of come from sort of that factory and still be kind of weird and innovative a lot of people were mad at the finale because for some reason people decided that the purpose of this television show was to introduce the X-Men 
they at no point indicated this was a thing that was happening. It would be a very weird thing to do in the finale for a show that was explicitly about the relationship between Wanda and the Vision to and have the finale be, and here's why Wolverine is going to be in a movie. And, you know, it's dumb for a lot of reasons. Like, you, you don't need to introduce the X-Men in a TV show so they can have a movie. You just make a movie and say, hey, here's the X-Men. Check them out. Uh, and all these, there are all these dork theories where somebody's, if you look at the, the clocks in the background of every scene, they, you know, you put them in order, they spell out X-Men. And, man, I don't know what kind of clock you've seen that can make an E, but apparently you have a four-handed clock with no, with no center around which to pivot. I don't know. So this was people deciding something was going to happen that was unreasonable to assume would happen. There's, there's, it's weird how quickly everybody just assumed that was going to be the purpose of this TV show that was very explicitly not about that. So, you know, there are people who were upset that it didn't do the thing they thought it needed to do, which it was never designed to do. I don't know, man. I'm a nerd, but nerds are the worst. We're, I'm one of the more reasonable ones, and I suck. But I thought it was really great. And next week we start the uh, Disney Plus starts Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which uh, that just looks to be a straight-up superhero-ass superhero show, which I am delighted. Uh, I don't usually love the more militaristic parts of the of the Marvel stuff uh, like anybody using guns who's not in the Guardians of the Galaxy makes me feel kind of uncomfortable and Falcon and Winter Soldier are two of the big gun guys but it also looks really it looks like a buddy cop movie with with like second tier superheroes uh, who apparently are just taking turns using Captain America's shield, which I think is also very funny. They're, they're sharing custody of his shield. But it looks very fun, and I'm sure I'll be talking about that week to week. Because if I can't talk about superheroes, what am I going to talk about, man? I got nothing. Uh, what else have I been enjoying? I should have made notes on this. Uh... I've been playing the, the, I've gotten real bad about playing video games lately. Like, I'm just not putting aside enough time so that there is just enough of a break for my skills to atrophy. Which, you know, maybe at my age and having a job and everything else, I maybe have to, have to rethink what my relationship with video games is. But, uh, I, I am really enjoying stuff on the Switch right now because that's a portable, so I can play it while I'm half-watching BattleBot BattleBots again. And they just released a... Boy, maybe New Super Mario World? I cannot remember the name. It's some version of Super Mario Brothers and World... Super Mario World 3D, something like that. It was released on the Wii U, which nobody bought, and now it's on the Switch. And I am having a blast with this Mario game where sometimes he gets a cat suit that lets him climb up walls. Those Mario games are just... That is a finely tuned machine, man. 
I also realized I have not finished uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is maybe the best video game I've ever played. And that's another thing where I'll play it real intensely for a while, and then I stop just long enough to get bad at it and forget every all the tricks I learned. But I'm so far into it that it feels bad to restart, and I think I'm just going to restart and just just really hone in on getting it done rather than you know picking up at the 80% mark and not having any memory of where anything is or what I've done or which button is the block button so yes those two two Nintendo games from several years ago those are things I'm enjoying uh, I also man what is it I'm, I'm reading the, the biography of Stan Lee because I might as well just become a parody of myself now because everything I do is in some way related to comics, I guess. But it's it's already causing... Anytime you talk about Stan Lee, there's a, a debate because everybody thinks you have to pick sides, Stan Lee or Jack Kirby, and obviously it's Jack Kirby. But uh, it's... It's a lot more into when he started, like he tried to, he tried to do it a second time with Stanley Media in the like early 2000s. It was going to be like this multimedia thing with all these properties created by Stanley. It was going to be Marvel all over again. And it not only flopped tremendously, but also sort of like ruined, ruined his life and conservatorship. That might not be the right word, but there was a, towards the end of his life, there was a real legal question of who was speaking for Stanley at any given time. And, you know, it's, it's a lot to get into, but it's really interesting. And, you know, those Stanley media days were, this is a guy who created Spider-Man in 1961, cut to 2000, and it's, he's working with Pamela Anderson to make Stripperella which was as good as you imagine it to be. Uh, so that's been good. Uh, I'm talking dork stuff. I, I finally read all of Hellboy, which is a comic that I've always thought I would enjoy. And every time I read like a Hellboy short story, I really, I really love it. And the, the Guillermo del Toro movies I thought were great. I did not like the reboot. Even though I like David Harbour a lot, I just thought it was kind of mean-spirited and bad. But I've never been able to get into the comics proper. And I just, they, they put out the whole series in, these, in a series of nice volumes. And I'm like, I decided to just hunker in and do it. And it turned out, the reason, the reason I could never get into it is the, the first few issues, uh, uh, Hellboy, this is, this is so boring to anybody who's not me. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Uh, Hellboy creator Mike Mignola did not have confidence in his ability to write dialogue, so he had John Byrne write the dialogue. And I mentioned John Byrne on this show before as a comic creator whose work I do not enjoy. And he dialogues everything like it's a 1970s Marvel comic, and it is tough to read. Uh, a lot of, like, three-paragraph thought balloons where Hellboy really questions his origins and his role in the world. And that's what put me off and after like four issues he's gone and hellboy no longer has an internal monologue and is not worried about his place in the world because he's got monsters to fight and from there on it is great 
So if you have a chance to read Hellboy, I say read Hellboy. It's fun. Oh, oh another TV thing I've been watching, and, and this one I wanted to say something specific about was uh, the new season of Hell's Kitchen. I will watch any Gordon Ramsay show. I have watched all of his, possibly all of his British cooking shows, you know, whatever he does with Fox. I just love it, even though the Hell's Kitchen especially is so deep into its formula that one season is virtually indistinguishable from the next. And it is maybe the most, I want to, I don't necessarily mean faked of, of any reality show, but kind of, because like every, every time they have a, a competition pitting one team against the other for points, you know, like the, the reward challenges, it always comes down to the last dish. They're always neck and neck which statistically should not happen. I mean, they shouldn't always be close, but it all shouldn't. Like if those, if the dishes had been presented in a different order, the point totals would still be the same, but somebody would be, you know, the one. It would not always be down to the last one. It would be, oh, this lead is insurmountable. Here's your zero point dish. Uh, you know, and it just seems very manufactured in that regard, and I did not explain it well, but if you watch it, you'll know what I mean. Every time they every time they score points, it's always down to the last round. And, you know, it's that, that's not how it works. But it's still, but I, I think, I don't think it's one of those that keeps people who cause drama around unnecessarily, partly because... Everybody on that show is causing drama because professional chefs are wired. So that is bad. That's that's always fun to watch. I like his his difficult to follow insults. And this will mean nothing to anybody but me. But there is a contestant on the show this year who looks like if I had a baby, if 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 a combination of me and Dan Lippert's voice had a baby. That's what this guy looks like. And I know that's hard to conceive of what me procreating with a man's voice would look like. I mean, the, the result of it. Don't try to picture the act because that's going to upset everybody. And I feel like in order for that to make sense, you have to be familiar with the work of improviser Dan Lippert and be well acquainted with what I look like. And I don't know that there's anybody but me who fits both of those criteria but every time this dude shows up on the screen i just can't stop thinking about what unholy progeny he is of this bizarre act between me and a comedian's voice boy i feel like there was something else i liked and i am drawing a blank Frankly, it's a miracle I got anything recorded. I forgot to do the ad. Guys, I'm over time and I forgot to do the ad. And this is an important one. So let's hit it real fast. Obviously, for your t-shirt needs, you know where you're going to go? You're going to go to teasebysummer.com. Uh, it does great, great shirts that look amazing. I, I, I am running out of ways to, to say that, but it's still true. Uh, you know, here, let me say this. Here's a cool thing: when when you have a when you have a friend who can who can make things, and then the things they make are 
are good. Like you'd be a fan of them. Regard like like if you just saw these things in the wild. You know, if I saw those. I think you should leave t-shirt. If, if I saw that's a chunky at Hot Topic, I would buy that shirt. You know, that is a cool thing, and I say that as as somebody who who as a result of trying to support friends creative endeavors i have had to watch a lot of non-narrative short films and so just uh i guess believe me when i say that uh uh it is a it is a a genuine joy to to be supportive of 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 a friend's work and also uh have that be awesome uh Here's what I want to say, because as I am recording this, uh, the one-year anniversary of Tees by Summer as a t-shirt outlet, t-shirt outlet, that sounds stupid, she, she made her first t-shirts and put them up for sale one year ago as of this coming Friday, the 19th. Uh, so it will be... So yeah, before the next episode comes out, it will be one year. Uh, the Etsy store is, is a new edition. It's only been a few months. It was originally Tea, Tea Public and then Tea Spring. And there's a lot of work that goes into this kind of finding an outlet. But the point is that is a, that is a year of being an actual, an actual professional artist and designer, which I think is awesome. And because it's hard it's hard to keep it up it's hard to start something like that and then to keep it going and you know especially when you're not immediately just making a profit and it, it's it can be hard so this is this is a year so here's what here's what we're going to do it's not even a question i'm not even asking at this point it, the plan's already in place let's just do it if you're going to buy a t-shirt and you should because look it's going to warm up we're all getting vaccinated. We're going to be out in public and it'll be warm. You want to look good in a t-shirt. Uh, you want to support an independent artist. I mean, frankly, if you're not already clicking over to teasebysummer.com, maybe you're a monster. I, I'm, I'm not going to cast aspersions directly, but I will sort of give you the, the look I give when I see somebody at Meyer who's not wearing a mask. Uh but if you're, if you're going to buy a shirt, buy it on Friday. I want us all to, to buy something on Friday. And where you can put a note to the seller, you say happy anniversary. Uh, I think she's far enough behind in listening to this show that she will not hear this until after it has happened. So either it will be a nice surprise or you will all let me down and I'll look like, I'll look like the fool. Which I do not appreciate. I thought we were friends. So Friday, teasebysummer.com, buy a shirt, put a happy anniversary in that note from seller. If you want to add EJ sent me, I'm still trying, still trying to make it look like there are positive benefits to being friends with me. Uh, so you can help me out in that regard. But regardless, go, go get yourself a shirt on Friday. Give her a happy anniversary. You know, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is a secret because I... I, I have all of the shirts, and but I, I'm going to put my money where my mouth my mouth is. I'm going to buy some as gifts on Friday. How about that? Yeah, that's right. 
I'm not going to tell you to support something I don't support myself. So that's what we're all going to do, right? I want I want you I want everybody to report back. Uh, I should have done a better ad, but I forgot until just now, and I really wanted to to stress how important it is to buy something from her on Friday, Friday the nineteenth. Go for it. Don't let me down, soldier. Okay, that's that's that ran long, uh, partly because I could not stop laughing about Shaquille O'Neal. Ah, uh, I had nothing to say. I'm used up. Uh, you can uh, get in touch with me at, uh, on Twitter at EJ Fettis. Uh, I am really not using Twitter right now, and it is working out great. Uh, but I will see if you, you know, if you, uh, if you at me or send me a message, I will, I will see it, and I will actually read that. I'm just not checking the old timeline. It's nice. Uh, you can also uh, Instagram EJ underscore Fettus. I'm using that slightly more because I don't have to. There's very little chance of interacting with unpleasant people. Although I find it deeply menacing when people I don't know uh, uh, start following me. So I guess do what you want. Uh, you can send an email to fedtalks at yahoo.com. In fact, send an email there. I'm very lonely. Give me something to read. Fedtalks at yahoo.com. So far, that is a ghost town. Um, I guess that's it. I will really try to come up with something next week. I might have a little more free time where I can actually think about things and and maybe come up with something to talk about. But now I've burned my Shaquille O'Neal material, so honestly, who knows? I feel like maybe this was the longest episode ever. I apologize for that. And if I keep talking, it's just going to get longer. So let's, uh, we're going to call it a day. Have a good week. Remember to go to teasemysummer.com on Friday. And that's all I've got. Thanks for listening. Fed Talks is a Full Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.